Hello everybody and welcome to the final episode of The Media Beat for 2022. We've done 16 this year, which I think is an amazing total and I've enjoyed every single one. But of course it's the end of the year now, so what does that mean? That means we have to have a special of sorts. And what you do at the end of the year, well you look at the stuff that you've been talking about uh, and then you think, hmm, what's going to happen the next year? Which in this case of course is 2023. So we're going to have a look in our crystal balls and we're going to ask the question, what next? Uh, on a variety of subjects. Of course, Claire and Maureen are here. Claire Tavernier, media commentator, also senior executive at some fabulous media companies over her time, consultant as well. Uh, Maureen Kerr is the head of the media practice at Arthur D. Little, the world's oldest management consultancy. And I'm Oliver Turnbull. I work with Maureen as well in the digital practice. But in this case, I'm just hosting the podcast and uh, letting the views and wisdom of Claire and Maureen flow. So in this special episode, yes, of course, they're all special, but this one's an end of year special. We are asking the question, what next? And let's start. Um, and Claire, I'm going to turn to you and ask the question, streamers and SVOD, what, what next? Well, that's a big question, isn't it? Um, the next year is going to be the test uh, the proof in the pudding of advertising on subscriber VOD. And some people say that Netflix could see as, as much as $3 billion in, uh, in advertising revenues next year. Just as a point of comparison, Hulu, the biggest, uh, AVOD, SASVOD hybrid, uh, in the US has had $2.7 billion of revenue, of advertising revenues last year. I am slightly more skeptical. I think it's going to be a long and painful route to really make that model work, but it will be very interesting. So my prediction is, yes, we will see advertising on SVOD. It will not take off quite as fast as everybody's hoping, but it will be there. We won't see any decrease in subscriber numbers. I will say I, st I think Netflix will still end the year number one and, and Disney will not catch up, but I, Maureen may disagree with me on that one. Uh, what next? What next indeed? Uh, so I'm very much uh, of a similar view to Claire in terms of, um, let's see how the AVOD model really pans out in the first quarter of next year, second quarter of next year. And I think we'll start to see the results of inventory um, and also, you know, the idea of how advertising is working. Because we've seen um, some stumbling blocks, in particular Netflix with rights, so there's a lot of inventory, a lot of programming it cannot put into its AVOD tiered model. Um, and I think that it will need, it will work at it. It would definitely work at it. And I think we'll see probably in the second half of next year, uh, they will be fixing or righting the wrongs of that or certainly improving their position. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I don't think Disney's going to catch up on the SVOD uh, subscription numbers. I know they're still chasing uh, subscribers, even at lower ARPU. Um, I think Netflix will continue to retain its uh, its position um uh, but it, it is definitely definitely on a defensive uh, so yeah i would uh, i think i think q1 q2 all eyes on the reporting all eyes on those advertising numbers all eyes on what agencies are putting uh, where they're putting their brands uh, commercial dollars so that's my view mm, nice sounds uh, very concrete and, and well thought out let's move on next subject is um, M&A, mergers and acquisitions, uh, given the economic 
uh, outlook. Uh, Maureen, this is this is kind of your uh, one of your areas of specialism. I'll turn to you first. Maureen, M&A, what next? So um, mergers and acquisitions uh, requiring requiring capital. So uh, the lenders market has closed. The debt markets have closed uh, to uh, significant, so like a billion dollars plus. Um, uh, so it's been really problematic for uh, both the media industry in terms of uh, companies and, of course, private equity to really close those deals. So still a lot, of, a lot of activity, a lot of people are diligencing, a lot of people want to consolidate in a number of areas of the subsegments of media. So uh, we have seen a lot of activity, though, that hasn't required funding. We've seen talent agencies consolidate. Uh, we've seen big media companies continuing to integrate and consolidate. Just take, you know, Warner Brothers and Discovery. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of activity uh, in 2023. Um, uh, private equity will continue to, so I guess, level up in terms of um, what funds they can use. Um, but I think it's going to be fascinating next year, in particular because there's a lot of digital expertise required to support media. Um, and across all segments, they all require digital expertise. So I like the idea of a crossover. I'm going to predict, as I keep doing, Microsoft and Netflix. It may not be 2023, but it definitely is 2024, which attests to my theory of this crossover of media, tech, and uh, real tech. So that's my my prediction. Kerr's theory of crossover. What's the difference, by the way, between tech and real tech? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, real tech uh, is, well, the old tech, legacy tech, versus new tech being sort of digital companies that have come through. So those, those, those new startups. So old tech is like Microsoft. Uh, new tech is like the trade desk. Golly, I'm so old. Microsoft was new tech when I started uh, in this in this journey. Um, thanks, Maureen. I suppose you could say digital versus IT or something like that, or enterprise tech versus um, media and digital. Um, Claire, what are your thoughts? Uh, M&A, what next? Well, I am slightly less bullish than Maureen. I think there will be two trends that slow down M&A next year. The first one is regulatory approvals. And we've just seen, obviously, the Microsoft acquisition of Activision getting blocked by regulatory approval. But it's not the only one. There's been quite a lot of smaller acquisitions that are hitting stumbling blocks that they weren't expecting. The most recent one is Facebook trying to buy a health VR or a fitness um, application called Within. Uh, so I think it's going to get longer, trickier, more expensive for consolidation to happen. There's going to be much more problems, much more hurdles, many more hurdles to go through. That's in the US, but also in Europe and even in the UK, which is the third block, as we now know. One of the anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Um, so I think that will slow down people. For instance, will Microsoft go for Netflix? Probably not next year. If they finally manage to get the Activision deal done, they'll probably want to rest a little bit before going back into tussle with the regulatory activities. The other thing that's happening is obviously the interest rates are raising, are rising, still rising, and that means not only is money more expensive, but also 
those companies that are mostly banking on future growth are getting penalized. So a lot of the tech stocks, for instance, have suffered in that area. And so I think valuations are going to suffer and people may decide to wait and raise some money and, and wait until they, they pull the plug. So I'm actually a bit, I'm, I'm not sure it's going to be a big year for m There's also not that much left to buy in the media landscape right now. So we're talking about, you know, a few companies that have been around the block that people have looked at for a while and chosen not to buy, not giving any names. Uh, and, you know, I'm not sure that will change next year. It's, um, it's, it's nice that you still refer to the UK as a block, whereas we're probably a house brick at best uh, in the eyes of the rest of the world. But anyway, uh, Maureen, just quickly, um, you didn't mention the economic downturn. I mean, presumably that is a factor, but it doesn't make you any less bullish. Is that, is that fair to say? No, I think in an economic uh, downturn and recession, you tend to find um, uh, companies consolidating, uh, actually, and finding shelter. So smaller companies uh, want the want the shelter of a larger one. And I say that because and I've seen it in the last six months where um, RTL's production house, uh, Fremantle, if you look at the trade uh, uh, magazine, uh, the broadcast, you see almost every week uh, they are tucking in uh, they're acquiring smaller production houses, and that tends to be a sign of, uh, you know, smaller companies feeling uh, a bit more exposed uh, to the recessionary times. And uh, so, for me, that's a litmus test. That's my bellwether to look at, um, you know, in those more depressed sort of situations um, economically. Uh, smaller companies tend to be, you know, as I say, finding shelter. So, so, uh, and so, so for me, that that drives. Um, my bullishness around M&A activity where uh, you tend to want to sort of, you know, put a couple of companies together, realize some synergies, um, you know, find a bit more sort of resilience in your underlying profitability to pay, as Claire has said, those, uh, verge, those higher interest rates. So the more cash conversion you get, uh, the more you can pay down your interest. So um, that, that's why I, I sort of see a little bit more activity um, in M&A and also, uh, I, I go back to this point of uh, th th there's a skills gap as well. So I think that maybe not necessarily in media per se acquisitions, but certainly in adjacencies uh, uh, like digital, uh, there will be that crossover of acquisition activity. That's my, uh, that's my view. No, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And thank you for introducing me to diligence used as a verb, diligencing. Awesome. Uh, I'm definitely going to use that. Um, let's move on. Oh, the next one's a biggie uh, because it involves podcasts, which, of course, we have become um, leading a leading light in that world, of course. So audio generally. Uh, Maureen, coming back to you, uh, I know you have thoughts on this. Uh, audio, podcasts, etc. What next? I think this is going to be the year uh, 2023, that is, for podcasts. And you see the fruits of that uh, explosion of uh, podcasts moving across into other other areas of, of, of the industry, like, for example, uh, into live, live events. Um, and we saw Carrie Swisher, Scott Galloway, their pivot, they went to a live event um, and was sold out over a couple of days. Uh, you see Preet Bivara again taking a, a venue in New York and, you know, all of the listeners turning up and spending, you know, a fair bit of money to, to, to see, finally see, uh, Preet Bivara and uh, and uh, Vance, um, uh, he's a co co pilot. I call her. Um, so and 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 coming back to the UK, uh, when I was at the um, uh, Content London, there was a session uh, on podcasts, and I was pleasantly surprised to hear a whole raft of uh, examples, including uh, ones around Audible. 
and the platform of Audible, uh, its subscription base is increasing. And some of the original content they're commissioning is extraordinary. Take Alan Partridge, Steve Coogan's character. So um, I, I'm seeing, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of activity, live events, or serialization of uh, characters and programming. So moving from TV uh, into podcast Audible, uh, which is probably what we see many years ago with TV and radio. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really bullish on podcasts and audio generally. For 2023, it's going to be a fun year. It's incredible, isn't it? The the Coogan character, Alan Partridge, how how um, how long standing it is, and how it finds different ways to make money. Theatre, film, now podcast. Um, I imagine books, but I've never seen. I think I've seen it. I've seen a book and TV series of various different formats. Such an incredible, enduring, and strong uh, character, um, which now. I absolutely find incredible. What about this, though? The media beat live, exclamation mark, presumably. I mean, I'll have to scrub up a little bit, but um, you guys are, are ready for that. Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, Claire, you'd be up for that? Oh, yeah. I, I, I bet we could fill at least the back room of a pub or something. But uh, the, yes, I oh, can well. <laughs> uh, I don't know, a small pub. Anyway, the yes, podcasts... Uh, have already started crossing over with other media segments. Obviously, we've seen a lot of big stars moving into podcasts. Uh, for instance, Barack Obama, or Bruce Springsteen even, and then in, in Steve Coogan being another example. So that's a, m a movement from external brands moving into podcasts. What we're seeing as well, more and more, and again, that started already, but we're seeing that accelerating our podcast brands moving into other areas so whether it's you know serial making being made as a, a tv series or whether it's the the rest is politics uh two hosts alistair campbell and rory stewart filling the albert hall for a live event much bigger than our back room of the pub but you know building from from the beginning uh, and uh i i think we'll see more of that my which is great and it's an indication that podcasts are becoming much more embedded in the fabric of how brands are built and how the talent navigates between different areas and i think that's that's a really good thing my big question on podcast is around advertising next year and whether that's going to be cracked in a more satisfying way because i don't think it's quite there yet they are getting volumes. There's a little bit of programmatic advertising being developed, but not enough. It's very hard to create um, affiliate links. They try very hard with sort of uh, specific URLs, etc. but it, it's still hard. There is an element of the complexity, which is that podcasts tend to be global in their distribution, but advertising, especially at the beginning of advertising, tends to be local. So while it's a very promising field, it has not yet benefited from technology and from and from the growth that other digital advertising sectors have. So I think in order for podcasts to really take off, it will need to crack the advertising or subscriber model, which I don't think it has yet. Will 2023 be the year? Perhaps, but I would say towards the end of the year because it's, it's nowhere near there. It's funny, isn't it? You can be listening to a podcast and going, oh, this is really interesting. This is really aimed at me. And then an advert comes comes on saying, if you need your lawn cutting in the Manhattan area, uh, please call. Well, I suppose there's not that many lawns. You know, incredibly localized advertising. Uh, Manscape. 
<laughs> come to the Boston Manscaping Institute. And he's like, wait a minute, that's not, that's not really speaking to me. Uh, and, and to you guys, less even, I would imagine. Uh, so um, it's one of those things that I guess will be cracked. And maybe there's an AI element to it as well. And you get this um, hyperly, hyper-narrow channel advertising just for you, uh, based on AI and the podcast you listen to. I'm always amazed at the breadth of podcasts that I listen to from you know comedy to something quite serious and then I was asked to pay for a podcast as well um over the world cup which was a, a footballing podcast and I just thought oh hang on a minute that's not the game so you're you're right the whole commercial model isn't really isn't really sorted yet but uh, it can only go up what a lovely way to consume and also when you're falling asleep there's nothing like a nice uh, a gentle audio podcast or book on philosophy uh, to make well i hope off. nobody's listening to our podcast to fall asleep <laughs> oh, that's yeah. but if i want to that's right if I, but if i want to race into the business day all guns blazing i put on the media beat with claire and maureen yeah it's a very good point okay so the next one the next one is going to be social media big subject but very dynamic so um a, a perfect um a perfect a perfect example for for what next so uh, claire this is this is going to be one for you to start off with social media what next yeah it's a tricky one i'm going to eschew the whole elon musk craziness because i just think we've talked about this so much although maureen may want to to jump back in but uh, i'm just going to talk about the larger trend in social media i see tiktok continue to grow I see social retail becoming more and more important. So people, you know, finding products on social media, buying them potentially on the platform increasingly. I actually think Facebook and Twitter uh, may move much more into a sort of customer service kind of area. I noticed that if people want to talk to anybody in an energy company, uh, for instance, or, or a railway operator, they don't call anymore. They go on Twitter. And that has become quite an established way of contacting customer service. And I, I kind of think that that's quite a good use for it, both for companies and for um, individuals. So I see this as, as something that's not going to go away, that's going to continue and reinforce itself. Uh, Beyond that, uh, I think it's going to be a difficult year for social media, to be honest. Yes, advertising will continue to grow. And, and again, I think retail media will be a very big one. But controversies such as uh, the ones around Twitter at the moment, but also around Instagram and Facebook will continue. And um, yes, it will be another big year of uh, headlines, I suspect. Yeah, I, I I'm uh, had foolishly um, sent my car off to get serviced by a uh, a new digital servicing brokering agency, and you can't talk to anybody, and um, you've got to go on a chatbot, and if the chatbot's down, you're like, oh my god, where's my car? Um, but anyway, I suppose this is uh, I suppose this is just me being reticent in the same way that my dad is still reticent at 94 years old about transferring money over the internet because someone might be able to pick it up in the background or whatever. The next topic we will be asking the question what next of is social media. This one, uh, we'll start with Claire. So Claire, um, quite a broad topic, but social media, what next? Yes, it's interesting. 2022 was really dominated by the shenanigans of Twitter and Elon Musk, and it was kind of hard to focus on anything else. And 
you know, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if that continues into 2023. But there are underneath that whole controversy, there are some really interesting trend, trends in social media, which I think will continue and amplify next year. The first one is, re- is social retail, the ability to find and buy products on social media. And I see that as uh, remaining a very and can becoming a very, very central part of a part of any retail marketing strategy. And I think we'll see more and more of that. The second one is something that also has been quietly becoming more and more prevalent uh, until we take it for granted, really. And I think, you know, it will continue in 2023. And that's the idea that customer service is entirely delivered through social media now. So if you're unhappy with anyone, uh, whether it's your energy supplier or, you know, delivery being missed, you go on Twitter or you go on Facebook and that's what happens. And so this sort of way of dialoguing with your customers, uh, that's going to remain a very central feature of Facebook and Twitter, which is a good thing uh, because those two platforms are struggling a little bit with keeping their their uh, users happy at the moment. But I think this will remain. Um, and then we're con- going to continue to see, I suspect, the rise of TikTok uh, more and more. It's, there's no reason why it should stop. Uh, I'm not seeing huge growth on Snapchat at the moment, uh, nor is the market, I believe. But that could potentially change? I'm not sure. And perhaps a few new media, new stories, such as the Be Real story that we got this year, you know, a few new social media networks emerging, probably none as big as what Be Real achieved, but also probably all focused on this concept of authenticity, which is obviously very core to the Be Real message. Because I think if there is one thing that people are a little bit fed up on social media is this is the filters that's probably also behind behind Snapchat's slight uh, decrease in 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 activities. People are wanting to see real stuff. Weirdly, uh, in this world of synthetic data and AI. So yeah, those are my predictions for social media. Yeah, it's the old joke, isn't it, about the waiter coming over and says, "Is there something wrong with your food? You haven't uh, taken a photo of it yet." I'm absolutely amazed at how entertaining TikTok is. I just thought this is mini YouTube. What's the point? And then you get on it and you go, oh, that's quite funny. And you keep going and going and going. And you sort of get kind of that dopamine rush for every little TikTok that makes you feel good. And it's like an addiction, really. You've got to be careful. The the one thing I was interested uh, interested about is that YouTube seems to be the platform of choice for podcasts, both in terms of producers and consumers, which seems a bit weird to me. It sort of like breaks the point of it. Basically, it's a sound-based medium. Uh, Why would it be on YouTube? But Claire, you're saying that that might be all about monetization, right? Yeah, my YouTube is a very well monetized platform. I mean, the CPM aren't very high, uh, but they exist and there is huge volume. And also don't forget that YouTube is a very, very large search platform. So it's a big discovery platform. And of course, for podcasts, a big of, big part of the issue is is being discovered. So YouTube you know, uh, adds those two elements. It's, it's easier to get found and it's potentially easier to monetize. So it's a sort of natural extension uh, for the business model, but we will see how that evolves this year. Well, maybe that's a, that's another one for uh, the media beat, the media beat on YouTube. I'll have to clean up my act and maybe warm up my house a bit so I don't look like a um, someone who's homeless. Um, but yeah, I can see us on YouTube. That might be that might be nice. The funny thing we say about customer service, I rather foolishly went for an online servicing broker provider for my car. Haven't heard of them from 
haven't heard from them since. Can't phone them. Uh, can't tweet them. Um, you've got to go through this bot that doesn't work and I've lost my car. Um, I'm sure it'll come back immediately. And I'm just being as nervous as my dad is at the age of 94 about paying bills over the internet because he thinks the money might be lost <laughs> in some way. So maybe I should not be um, such a Luddite. We've still got that question about Be Real, Claire. I know the three of us are Be Real buddies, but I've noticed it's going down in the, in the number of uh, uses that we do every day. I don't know whether yours goes off and go, mine goes off and I go, oh, shit, I better start doing something interesting. <laughs> so people think I have a life, which is completely breaking the model. I realise that. Uh, anyway, I still think it'll gonna, it's going to die a death and was a bit of a flash in the pan. But anyway, sorry, Maureen, um, I know you're waiting to um, say something. Social media, what next? Um, I, I, I must agree with uh, with everything that Claire said, actually, for 2023, but I'm probably just focusing on one, and that is um, TikTok. So, um, I mean, I think it's a fantastic business model. I think it deserves all of the accolades it's, uh, it's, it's received this year. Um, but, but, but as Claire was sort of alluding to earlier in, in, in sort of M&A activity, I, I think the regulators have got a, a something to prove. And, and my sense is there is paranoia, uh, whether or not it's right or wrong. There's paranoia in the U.S. Um, about clearly the ownership of TikTok and, uh, and what the Chinese government in particular can do to to the data that it that it that it gets. And there's a significant amount of data, deep data, um, on on TikTok. So even though in the US you've got IBM's platform uh, that that monitors and you sorry that TikTok uses in the US, I, I still think that the US is concerned about um, access to information about uh, its citizens. So my sense is I think the US government is going to crack down on TikTok and I think um, that's probably the only way that's going to maybe slow it down. Um, it's not about the business model, it's not about its audience, it's not about its customers, it's about sort of uh, uh, intervention, intervention by government. So and if, and, if, and if the US takes a position that may actually then uh, force the Europeans to take a, a position as well. So, so TikTok for me is, is one to watch. Um, but more market influ influence and markets or intervention uh, than, than, than the business model. That's what I will say on um, the social media platform, because I think Claire said uh, 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 a lot that I agree with. There's a funny thing about TikTok, isn't it, about pickup. I remember uh, my, my son featured on a TikTok made by his friend, and she usually gets about 500 to 1,500 sort of likes or views and then this particular one was kind of an obscure joke and it got two million and it was just like what was it that made that take off so incredibly um vociferously i suppose you'd say and it's quite unexplainable i guess the answer is ai or well, the answer is, can be found with ai yes it, if it gets picked up by the algorithm you go from 300 to 2 million immediately because you don't control you know it just will it just means it gets picked up to be on people's feed and they they will watch it because it's on their feed that's the beauty of the system so but how to get on the algorithm is obviously the big question that a lot of people are trying to answer at the moment and the, probably the algorithm, if it's machine learning, which it will be, changes all the time. So uh, how to get on it changes all the time. The uh, next subject, uh, another big one. Yeah, this time it's uh, advertising. Uh, Maureen, you're going to start the conversation on the advertising uh, built around your love of the trade desk. <laughs> 
Uh, so I guess there's two things to think about in 2023 for advertising, and that is, you know, if uh, uh, if we do go into a deeper uh, or deep recession, then um, often, you know, we, we've seen anyway the data to reflect that there's a strong correlation between advertising GDP and recession. So uh, that will follow suit. Um, but if we unpack that a bit more, what, what does that actually mean? Um, um, and, and where... Uh, do we think there could be some sort of opportunities and upside? So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm for much more emphasis, much more activity around programmatic advertising. So on the advertising technology side, um, you know, and therein lies my love of the trade desk. Um, I think the trade desk is doing some great things, two of which is around you know a, a, an industry segment that, that that both Claire and I love, which is the TV. So connected TV, I think, is going to be a big thing continues to be a big thing next year. Um, I think this whole cookie deprecation that, that, that surrounds the whole advertising technology um, thing is going to be pretty important, although Google is, uh, you know, sort of keeps pushing the timeline out where they take away all third-party data usage. Uh, I think the Trade Desk, again, is leading the, the, the charge there in its own technology platform and how it's uh, recruiting uh, certain of the participants in the industry to participate in a unified um, identification tagging system. So to get around this uh, this dominance of, of, of Google and the whole idea of taking away the cookies. So for me, um, it's uh, watch out for the trade desk. Um, programmatic advertising is going to be much more on the top of our agendas and the tip of our tongues. Um, and I think... Um, and I think, you know, um, in an economic recessionary um, environment, there will be, you know, uh, allocation of a uh, reallocation of the advertising dollars. Um, and again, I think that will go in towards digital. So it may actually precipitate that transfer of old media to new media, um, which is already digital's already surpassed the old media. But I think that that will probably accelerate. That's my take on 2023 and advertising. Ah, no, that's interesting. Do you, do you think there's going to be anything that, um, that um, Alex was talking about on the last episode with regard at narrowing down advertising to be specific for that person? We've been talking about it for ages, and yet still, if I Google lawn aerator for my father-in-law, I will always be offered lawn aerators forever, an item which I will only ever buy once maximum times. Do you think that's uh, accelerating now at this point to the point where there'll be an avatar who looks a little bit like me uh, telling me what's cool? Is there, is there anything that you can feel that might happen in that, in that space in 2023? I, yes, of course, there will be increase uh, in the use of technology, targeting technology, uh, selling technology, uh, personalization, etc. cetera, uh, in the way that Alex uh, so well described in our last episode. I, the reason you you keep being sold the lawn aerator, what is that? I don't know. Anyway, the thing uh, is because there are a lot of regulations around cookies and those regulations are a barrier to more personalized and customizable advertising. And I actually think that this may be a very big topic in 2023, where regulators, uh, governments, um, and, and people in general try to work out how comfortable they are with big tech companies and small tech companies knowing every single thing about them if it means that they get better recommendations for product. And it's a fine balance because there is a point where you're like, actually, I'm okay with you serving me relatively customizable ads. And there is a point where it becomes invasive and weird and creepy. And that 
that that is a very fine line, which is different for everybody. But I think privacy, uh, first party data, cookies, um, what people are comfortable with or not is going to be a big, big topic next year. To go back to what Maureen was saying in terms of uh, more money going into digital because budgets are tight, yes. But digital digital advertising is now, is now such a big part of advertising in general that when there is a recession, they get hit as well as traditional advertising. They used to be protected because they were the new kid on the block, growing, growing, growing. And you know, even if everything else was going down, they were still growing. I think this year may be the year where that stops and they will be hit by the general restriction in advertising budgets. Maybe less so, probably less so than traditional advertising. But uh, but still, it's also worth reminding ourselves that there are no big events next year. There's no Olympics. There's no World Cup or Men's World Cup, I should say. Uh, there's a there's a there's a dearth of things that you can advertise around big temples, which are helpful for the advertising market. So I'm a bit bearish on the advertising market generally next year, but we shall see whether I'm right or not. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, all interesting stuff. Um, getting more and more sophisticated and more and more reliant on data as we know. Um, I'd never even heard of cookie deprivation before. Presumably cookie deprivation is is what? Is it protecting me from um, people I don't know knowing stuff about me? Is that what that means, Maureen? Uh, cookie deprecation. Oh. Uh, and uh, that effectively is where they are removing uh, cookies. So they're removing the ability to run around to look at you uh, and for others to use that information that they've collected. So the third party data will go away. So there's a big emphasis now on first party data and the opting in kind of strategy. That's I'm simplifying it, but yeah, that's 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 what it is. And Google's very much um, leading the charge here. And as we've seen also, Apple closing its uh, doors to various um, uh, other businesses where they contain certain data about you without you knowing. So Apple and um, Facebook had a big falling out this year because Apple was telling everybody that don't forget, you know, unless you opt out, unless you take note, Facebook is selling your data, selling everything about you. So they had a big, big spat around that. Yes, and Apple is Apple is definitely uh, positioning themselves as the privacy champion so you know come to apple because there this is where your data will be protected this is one of their big arguments against android which obviously is powered by google uh so but apple still uses your data not quite as much as others but you know it's a little bit disingenuous to think that they are have a big black vault uh where they never ever go to find out what you like and don't like and where you've been so it's that will all come out i think slowly but surely and uh, it'll be interesting what to see what what the result is so the battle of protect my privacy versus give me useful stuff based on what I know and like goes on and will uh, and will continue to go on. Yeah, interesting. Um, uh, we uh, had this data privacy issue at Christmas, actually, at our Christmas party, which I was uh, organizing the Secret Santa, and I made it an opt out. So you had to opt out of Secret Santa, resulting in the fact that people didn't opt out but didn't buy a present. So there were people who had not been naughty but had been nice at our Christmas party who didn't get a gift, um, which uh, I took responsibility for. And I also got in trouble for putting a, an opt out uh, thing in the, in the Secret Santa. Amazing. It covers all areas of business uh, all the way through to distribution of presents at this fabulous holiday time. We are in the home straight now uh, with, uh, again, it's another big topic. And I 
very interested in what you're seeing in your respective crystal balls. Uh, we'll start with Claire. It's all about big studios, theatrical, etc. So I, I pose the question finally to you, Claire, for this year. Uh, big studios, what next? Yes, big studios indeed. Well, we've had, uh, again, a lot of drama uh, around Netflix and then their two bobs and the new chief exec, although that's they've managed to contain the story around that quite quickly and it's already water under the bridge, it seems at least if you don't work for Disney, because I think if you do work for Disney, it's a little bit more complicated. But um, I suspect next year we'll see a normalization of new, shorter, but existing uh, theatrical windows. So people will go back to putting movies in the cinema, but with much shorter windows across the world, even in countries that do not like short windows like France. I think we will see less direct to streaming content. I mean, WBD uh, was definitely the leader in that, but I think we'll see more of that. People are finding that this theatrical window does provide a lot of discoverability and marketing without much of a it doesn't detract that much from the positive impact of putting it on the streaming platform um i don't see much more consolidation on the big studio front i still see enormous investments in content although it may be one of the last years because at some point i suspect this is going to slow down because it's unsustainable at the level that it is uh, yeah, I think those are my headlines in terms of big studios. I agree with the the bobs. Um, that's definitely certainly gone quiet, and they probably will remain quiet as they as they slowly, uh, you know, fix and strategize uh, Disney. But I, I'm going to hone in on uh, theatrical window. I think that's amazing. Um, uh, what we'll see there, and, and and we've certainly seen that reversion from 2021. Saw. So, uh, you know, every streamer taking every big film um, uh, and putting it, uh, sorry, legacy, either legacy studio slash streamer taking all their films uh, directly, you know, uh, day and date uh, to 2022, uh, you know, reminding themselves that actually uh, there is a theatrical distribution uh, system which works extremely well uh, for us to move, you know, into a, maybe a forty-five day uh, exclusivity period, and, and I think it's ranged from between thirty and eighty. Um, uh, if we take Spider-Man, if we take t Top Gun, so for me, I I, I think um, we're going to see more of what Netflix has just recently done with Glass Onion. So uh, uh, that wonderful, wonderful film. So it gave. Um, it gave the, I think it was a seven, it was a several majors in the US, a one week period. It was slightly longer, but it was slightly one week to show uh, the film. Uh, and that was over Thanksgiving, um, um, just to really test the water. And this is a Netflix original um, that, 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 of course, Netflix always says that we make films, we make TV shows for our subscribers, not for cinema. You know, and it was extraordinary to see that testing ground. You know, um, they only made about fifteen million dollars uh, over the Thanksgiving period. Where, if you do the mathematics, you know, and calculations, they probably ought to have been able to get at least two hundred, two hundred fifty million. So uh, for them, it didn't matter that apparently it didn't matter to them, but it was a really good testing environment. So, so for me, I, I, I think we're going to continue to see this experiment on the theatrical window. Um, and, I, and I think Netflix has been really smart uh, at sort of looking at that data across their own experiment with one of their original films. Um, and I'll, um, I'll, I'll stop there because I think there's a lot going on in 2023. And we'll be back in 2023 for sure. Um, 
it's such a dynamic world. Uh, that's one of the things I've learned. Data-driven and dynamic. That's uh, that's what I can say about the media world in 2022. I have no crystal ball. All I do is uh, ask the old question and listen to your wisdom and experience. And I've enjoyed it immensely. So it's Christmas time or holiday time, I suppose we should say. Here's a bit that we haven't prepared, but I'd be really interested to hear. I'm going to start with Claire. What is your favourite piece of Christmas media? Now, it can be a movie, your favourite Christmas movie, or it can be a song, your favourite Christmas song. It can be both. I suppose it could be a picture, a photograph, a great master, a podcast, a speech. Probably unlikely to be any of the last three or four. Uh, more likely to be a movie or a song. But I'd be very interested, Claire, in the reasons behind and what comes to the top of your head uh, when I ask the question, what is your favourite piece of Christmas media and Maureen I know you have time to think now as well so you better come up with a good one but I'll start with you Claire. <laughs> well that's interesting I think very often the, your favorite piece of Christmas media comes from when you were a child so m the ones that come to my mind are definitely French ones so I'm sorry it's going to be a bit obscure for all of you there's a big fight in our family everybody but me is a huge fan of love actually as a Christmas movie we have to watch it every year I don't love that movie if I'm honest I love it less every time I see it, which is every year. So this is not going well between me and uh, Love Actually. So Love Actually definitely comes to mind as a negative one. There is, there are a couple, there's a very sweet children's song that all French children sing at Christmas called Petit Papa Noel, which is about Santa and traveling. And that's for me is very much about, that's the Chris, that is the first one that comes to mind. But there's also a very dark humor movie called Le Père Noël est une ordure, which is intensely weird and with really weird humor, but people of my generation in France can literally quote it from the first line to the last. I have tried watching it with my children. They have not liked it. They've also not liked the fact that I was saying the dialogue with the people on screen and laughing out loud every time they open their mouth. But for me, it defines Christmas. Oh, how lovely. Sounds like a massive battle in the Tavernier household over Christmas as to, as to what you're going to watch. I've got a bit of a soft spot for love, actually, but I, I understand why you might find it a bit cloying. Uh, Maureen, uh, you've had a little bit of time to think, about 45 seconds. Uh, your favourite piece of Christmas media, whatever that may be. OK, so it's a, it's a, it's a film called um, 18 Minutes Long called Dinner for One. And uh, it was made in uh, in the early 60s. Um, and in fact, it's a favourite for the Germans. Nobody understands why. And in Germany, it's called the 90th birthday. And uh, uh, the plot is, so there are two comedians. They're British, uh, man and woman. Uh, and they're on uh, in the dining room area. And the poor woman has uh, outlived all of her best friends. Um, and I've been trying to sort of remember the names of them. And they're wonderful. Um, and uh, she especially does not want to feel lonely. And of course, it is dinner for one. And her butler, James, uh, needs to um, needs to basically remind her of, of the past. So, so he, imperson he impersonates or certainly serves all of these empty chairs around the table. But as he's going around the table, certain things happen along the way. And uh, it's brilliantly, uh, it's brilliantly sketched out. It's brilliantly um, uh, written, well-written, um, and, it, and it's uh, lovable. And I watch that every single year on New Year's Day. So it's, so it's not a Christmas Day, on New Year's Day, and, and I love it. 
Um, so I recommend it for, for all. It's only 18 minutes out of your life in one year. So it's uh, it's super contagious. That makes it a huge favorite already. We're definitely watching that. I'm I'm watching all these BAFTA movies at the moment and they are so long. Why can nobody make a movie that's less than two and a half hours long? I really would like to know. But anyway, Dinner for One, that's a great recommendation. It is a great Thank recommendation. You. I'm definitely Tell me what that. you think of it. Tell me yeah, what no, you think of it. And uh, I'll send you I'll send you a link um, to it. So, so well. we can we can turn it into a movie <laughs> a movie um, review podcast. We'll watch that after a wonderful life, which uh, we can't have watching every every year, although it's a very obvious choice. And you came up with really sophisticated and meaningful ones, which I knew you would do. But anyway, and that and a fairy tale of New York with my song, which was playing Aww. as I left Leeds University Union for the last time, <laughs> Christmas nineteen eighty nine. Uh, and on that nostalgic thought, uh, it only remains for me to say thank you for 2022. Looking forward to 2023. And happy Christmas and happy holidays. And goodbye first to you, Claire. Goodbye, Oliver. And a very happy holiday season to you, Maureen, and everybody who listens. And to Maureen, happy Christmas. To Oliver and Claire, you know, have merry, merry, merry Christmas and happy new year. And look forward to seeing you in 2023. Bye for now.